With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oh my God, what did we just watch? I was expecting a pretty easy game result at Aston Villa, but my God, Jurgen Klopp's mentality giants, what can you say about them? You know, it looked like the game was lost, but they had other ideas. Of course, we carry on with that title challenge. Oh, 2-1 it finished if he lived under a rock. But my God, um, I am actually quite fortunate because I have two breathing panellists that are going to join me and try making sense of that game. So you know what? Without further ado, let me introduce you to them. First up, I have a returning guest. He was on a fortnight ago, but it's an honour to have him back on. He was on for the United game. It is Cam Branch, contributor to the AI podcast and Daisy podcast. Cam. Ugh. Oh. Oh, um, I, I'm just flabbergasted at all of that. Um, that was just, in the end, an outstanding effort from the lads to come out with a win after that. Um, it's just phenomenal, especially considering the game we got next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get three points today was as big as it could have been, as big as it could have been. That was just, a, like you said, mentality giant. So, this, these lads just don't know when they beat, do they? They're, they're, they're going to fight for every second of that game. And um, they were awful. <laughs> you know, let's just not <laughs> deny They were fucking... That's, I think that's one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk about the game yeah. in a minute, Cam. I need to introduce my second guest. But yeah. tickle the limelight. Come on. Share, share, share. He's like Muslim on Saudi Amani. And my second guest... You know what? A guy that needs no introduction. You've heard him a plenty on the AI podcast, host, co-host of the Review podcast, the wrestling podcast. And um, soon you'll be hearing a Champions League podcast from him. He, like I said, doesn't need an introduction, much like Cam. It is Mr. Andy Wales. Hello, Nina. Um, Hi. I'm guessing you appreciated Cam going on his monologue there. Catch a breath. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to make it to Christmas at this rate. And I, d- I don't know what's going to give in first, my, my liver or uh, or my heart. It's just too much. It is just getting too much. 
Absolutely, guys. And I'm, I'm completely with you. And, uh, you know, Cam kind of touched on, you know, uh, just how he felt. I mean, yeah, it wasn't the prettiest, but, you know, you've got to give him so much credit, don't you think, Andy? Yeah, we, I mean, you've got to you've got to credit the spirit and the mentality, as Cam mentioned. You have to credit that. You know, we, we it's right. We don't know when we're beaten. We do keep going and going and going. But on the flip side, we can't keep putting ourselves in jail only to break ourselves out again. We, you know, because at some point it's just not going to come off. You know, these daring raids are, are going to come back to bite us at some point. And there are serious underlying issues this season. And we, we really, we've got to start addressing them. Uh, God, it, it just, it was, it was a bloody awful performance. There's no two ways about it. It was a poor performance. It was some questionable decisions from Klopp before yes. during the game. And, you know, it just... Some of them issues that we we worried about, they were there, that we've seen before, they were there again. And yeah, but but on the flip side, again, the positives are, you know, we just keep going. We just keep going. Uh, But oh my God, they're ruining me. (laughs) They're just killing me. They're going to kill me. We'll, we'll win the Premier League in my heart. And we won't. None of us will be here to see it. You know, like, it's like we've waited 30 years and you've, you've claimed all our lives to claim that title. You know what, And Andy touched on something really good there, the team lineup. I think there was, a, I wanted to, Cam, I'll come to you first on this one because I think there was a lot of like, oh, is Fabinho going to start? Because obviously it's risky business given the, you know, the yellow card and how badly he'll be needed against Manchester City because you need him in that battle. Klopp rested him, kind of fielded that a bit of a different midfield. Um, You know, there's some, ch- you know, Lovren starts because obviously Matip starts, so he's gone with Lovren. Of course, he's gone for Lalana instead of Fabinho. I mean, Talk to me about that. How did you feel about that? Did it make sense to you? Um, the lineup came up as I was driving up the motorway and I had a sneaky little glance and uh, I could have crashed a car, I'll be honest with you. Um, and I assumed he was going to play Ginny at six and then Hendo on yes. the left and Lalana on the right. That's what I assumed he was going to do. And then when I switched the game on and I saw that he'd started Lalana as a six and the balance was all wrong. Throughout, whilst Lalana was on that pitch, that midfield was disjointed and, and so unbalanced. It was unbelievable. Um, there were some little bits of nice, little bit, little bits of nice play, but generally it was dog shite. Uh, you know, it was god awful. And and the difference was today when Lalana went off. I think, you know, then all of a sudden there's a little bit of a. You know, Henderson seemed to be a little bit of a better player. Not that he could have got any worse because he was god-awful in the first half as well. But, um, yeah, it was just too dis- disjointed for me. And, I'm, and I can understand why Fabinho was jo- dropped. You know, we couldn't risk him getting a yellow. We need him for um, the City game next weekend. And considering who the referee was as well, I think that may have, may have had a, a part to play in it as well because, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on the referee later. But, um yeah, you know, there's multiple factors for, for not playing Fabinho. So, um, but yeah, horrible midfield. Horrible. Don't want to see it again. Oof. Well, Andy, you kind of touched on, you know, the, the starting lineup. So, you know what? I'll let you just say it and then we'll get talking about the game. Um, echo camp, really. <laughs> if mm. I'll tell you what, the midweek game against 
Star Soul. It was terrific entertainment. It was a lot of fun to watch. But, yeah, defending from both teams was god-awful. And if that game was a rehearsal for for, La, uh, for Lalana to play in the sixth role, he should never, ever get the role because he was terrible. He was, yeah, terrible he was dreadful against Arsenal. And, and I... He was. He was really poor. He, he And he wasn't the only player who was poor and wasn't the only senior player who was poor. But he he was all at sea in a, in a League Cup game in that position. You could see it wasn't suited to him. He hasn't got the awareness. He hasn't got the positional sense. He can't read the play. He's got no strength or, or bite about him. And then that was on shore later in the game today. But I look, I totally understand not picking Fabinho today, saving him from what probably would have been a booking, because I'm sure between John Moss and Martin Atkinson, they would have manufactured some way of booking him today. So I totally understand not picking him, but the balance of that midfield was all wrong. And it's been it's been a problem all season. Virtually every game this season, it's been a problem. This is a long-running thing. This midfield, virtually every single game... The balance is not there. It lacks penetration. It seriously lacks creativity and penetration. They have been creating goals, though, Andy. The midfield have been chipping in goals. In the last three games, I mean, before the Arsenal game, you know, when we, when we look at Spurs, United, and, of course, Genk, I think four of our seven goals came from midfielders. So they have been chipping in. Yeah, we've got some goals, but I'm talking about the creativity, that whole balance of the midfield. Yeah, we're, we're okay. Chucking, yeah, we're, we're, chucking, we're chucking things at the wall and, and pushing and pushing and getting goals and breaking through through sheer willpower at times, like today. That midfield, the balance was, was not... Well, through this season, like you say, the midfield, there's been an issue with the balance. Henderson has been really poor all season. you know. The, he, and it's not picking on him. He's just been poor. He's been in poor form all season. But he got his start today. And Lalana, I'm just puzzled as to how he started this game. I thought it was it was a match that was crying out for Ginny to play in that sixth role and then us to start Ox. And, and if we want to protect him, we could maybe take him off after 60-65. Him, him or Keita, that it needed something a bit different in there. Lalana, I just don't want to see him. I really don't want to see him play anymore. He's not at Liverpool's level. He simply isn't at Liverpool's level. And... It's difficult to make a case for him that he's at Premier League level. Watching him again today, and and that's not again not just picking on him. He's not he's not been at it for a long, long time. He's had a lot of injuries mm-hmm. and what the lot. But that it was today for me that was all about the balance of the midfield, uh, and that uh, just for me was totally the wrong selection. It was too much of a gamble to to put a guy in such a pivotal role. Because you think back to the the twenty eighteen Champions League final. And it was the one big thing that stuck out was that Jurgen Klopp knew he had to change that midfield. And the answer primarily was the signing of Fabinho, an out-and-out DM. And how, what a difference he's made to our midfield. He's probably he's arguably been our most creative central midfielder this season. And Without look how different we look, how different we look without him in the team. Um just very, very, very frustrating to see the lineup and then to see it unfold before my eyes because you just really expected it. Yeah, I mean, I you know what? It's kind of strange because for me, the biggest concern was, is Fabinho going to start or not start? 
Luckily, he rested him. He needed to, he needed to, you know, he had to play a tactical game in terms of saving him for Manchester City because like Cam goes, and I think you said it as well, Andy, there would have been a way for the refs to get Fabinho into that book. And I think he would have ended up in the book today because of the nature of the game and the tempo of the game. I saw the lineup and I wasn't too asked about Lalana starting because I looked at the nature of Aston Villa. And if history teaches me anything, Lalana does play quite well against Lower teams, like he had quite a decent game last season against Burnley. I thought his confidence would be high getting the winner against Man United. I wasn't too concerned about that, but I'm with Cam. I I didn't expect him to play in the deeper role, considering, like you, Andy, I agree, it was a bit of a shit show against Arsenal. You know, I, I thought maybe he's going to be play, playing wide and, you know, Ginny sits the deepest. I thought that could potentially work. I mean, there is just so much to talk about here. And I think we have a caller joining us. We've got some questions from our subscribers. I'll get to them in a minute. I think Gags will be joining us. Gags, you there? I don't know what the hell you've been talking about because I just popped in because I have a busy time right now with the family. It's a wife's 40th birthday. Happy but birthday! Liverpool didn't ruin her birthday. I actually thought that it was going to be a really bad day. There was some negativity hmm. seeping in. And then you kept the faith, definitely. You kept me going as well. And after 85 minutes, I, I, I just can't believe that we've just done this. We, oh my God, how can we doubt? Why do we doubt? Why does that happen? Why? I don't get it. I mean, it's a constant thing. It happened to me today. How can we doubt what we saw in midweek, what we saw now? This team just finds a fucking way to win crazy-ass games and it was the most frustrating game ever. Nothing felt like it was going right. The VAR decisions. Fuck you, Moss. Fuck you, Atkinson. You can't ruin anything. Fucking go back and be a biased bastards for Man United. Because you can't even help them twats. They're fucking fucked. We are at the top of the league. City's coming up next week. And we have a massive chance to go nine clear. Nine clear. This is huge. Huge, and we have Fabinho ready. Because can we just talk about, I mean, overall, amazing. It's a great feeling to come back and win. But I want you to talk about how Fabinho is vital to this team because it looked a mess. The midfield looked a fucking mess. Even in control of the game, the whole second half, it still felt like it was a mess. We kind of spoke about Lallana in that role. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's not just Lalana though. It's everybody. He makes everyone else tick. He makes... Uh-huh. When we saw the game last weekend where he was passing those flighted balls over the top, all those things are now the people are expecting in the front three are expecting shit like that. And everybody knows where he's going to be, but we don't know where Lalana's going to be. There's parts in that first half where he was roaming around the left-hand side and yep. getting caught in the press, then roaming around the right, then going forward. There's no nobody in the middle. So some of those, some of those counters second half could have been... So, so critical. You know, we could have lost. Luckily, they didn't make the right decisions because that's what happens. We didn't do it either. But Fabinho doesn't let that shit happen. If he does, he takes them down. And that's exactly why he wasn't playing because we can't risk it. But for me, the midfield is a is a problem. Now, when you say to me, why is Lalana playing? There was a lot of people moaning in the chat about it. But you, there needs to be a there needs to be an adult discussion about why. And the adult discussion is, and I want you guys to come carry on with this while I go away, is that who played midweek? Kato went off injured. There's no chance he's starting when he's just gone off injured. Okay, that's just a fact. It's not happening. Ox played 80 minutes. He's not starting. It's a fact. You're all subscribers. 
if you're on this call and listening live, um, you, you, you'll listen to fatigue unless I got fatigue index. Like I do. You've learned like I have from that. He ain't starting. Not until he's built his chronic load. So forget that. Don't moan about it. Those two are not starting today. Then there's Milner just played left back or wherever he played that day. He's not starting. He's, he's, he's aging. We can't afford our, our backup left back when Robbo can get injured or whatever, you know, is risky to, to get injured. So we've got to rest him, look after him. Who's left? Ginny, Hendo, Lalana. We can't, it just, you know, what can you do? Hendo does not want to play Rowan at the six. He made this clear last week. And I think Ginny is probably more trusted than, than Lalana as an eight. I don't know, but I'll let you guys discuss that. And that's from me. But fucking hell, amazing. I know I'm finishing on that negative point, but not a negative point, but just a little bit of education for everybody that I think that's all he could do. Yeah, given the fact that he went all attack and guns blazing and, you know, played both of his, um, you know, more creative midfielders um, at midweek. I mean, Cam and Andy, do, do you have any uh, any response to that? Because we kind of dis- um, yeah, spoke about the imbalance. Okay, Cam, I'll come to you first. Right. Um, I, I agree with Gags that they were the only three midfielders available. I didn't have an issue with Lalana starting. I had an issue with yes. uh, Lalana being the number six. Mm-hmm. And Hendo's the captain of Liverpool Football Club. If Hendo gets told to play uh, as ball boy off the pitch for the game, that's what he does. If Hendo gets told to play at number six, Hendo will play at number six. It's not a question of Hendo then, can, because he's captain of Liverpool Football Club, has a right to override Klopp and say, well, I don't want to play at number six. He does what's best for Liverpool Football Club. Today, the best thing for Liverpool Football Club would have been to either have Ginny or Hendo, then Nalana. That's the order it should have been in, to have, it, to have the number six. Klopp mm-hmm. got it wrong. It's as simple as that. Klopp, Pep, the rest of the coaching staff, they got it wrong by playing Lana at six. They, they saw Lana as a six in the summer. But, oh, yeah, this looks all right. They're playing meaningless friendlies. Yeah, but they but thought this was Villa. They, if you watched any of Villa this season, they were, yeah. they've been shocking. They, they, you know, they have been totally shocking. So, to be honest, we started flat, though, Cam. The whole team started real flat. We did. The, 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 the first I don't think it's just the, that the one thing, you know what I mean? Uh, no, no, no. But you, you wanted us to discuss the midfield and why the midfield uh, didn't work today. The reason the midfield didn't work today because Lalana was number six. It's as simple as that. You pointed out uh, already how he was moving from one side, leaving. The yeah, he had no positional awareness. Yeah, and 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 simple five-yard passes can't. They can't do it. They were struggling throughout the game. Everyone, the decision making throughout the game was awful, and that again is from everyone. I was pulling my hair out. Uh, at Sadio. Any more? Any more videos? Time. Any more videos of your daughter catching you screaming? No, they didn't. I don't think they may have gone. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of it today, I can assure you. There was, well, I'm not surprised. It was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. But it, it comes down to Lalana being number six, and he should not have been number six. And at the end of the day, you've had Hendo there, who's played, the, who's played that role for 18 months to two years. He can play the role against Aston Villa, who, as you've pointed out, Gags, have been donk shy all season. So if Hendo can't do it in that game, then he shouldn't be on the pitch full stop. You know what? You know what? I would I would actually question more than the why does he have to play three midfielders at Villa? Why does he have to play three? Why can't he play Genie and Hendo as a two one. and, and yeah. get Divock on the on the pitch? You know, why does it have and to be? And give Samina the three ball. 
Yeah, exactly. And Firmino will 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 fucking press better than Hendo or or uh, Ginny or Lalana as that extra player in mm-hmm. midfield. He always will. That's I reckon that's more of a question because the three it doesn't matter where you put them. You lose somewhere else on the pitch. The passing lane, the covering. What Ginny does covering the full is Lalana going to cover a fullback? That's the next question. If it happens, comes to shit when 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 basically. Um, the awful but so attacking. We know this left back and right back today, as we saw, as we saw. Is Lalana going to cover them? That's the key. Is he? Go- I don't think he will. I don't think he has it in him. Doesn't have the running capability. They, they have to save his legs because he played midweek too. The six was basically made for him. No, he shouldn't. But there's no, but there's no other choice, Andy, is there? Apart from like what I said, formation change, which I don't understand why it has to be four three three all the fucking time. Why? Why does it have to be? Milner, Milner oh, if Lalana's played ninety minutes midweek, looking at Lalana's uh, injury record and then the, you know, on the chronic load that he'll have this season, you're telling me that Milner couldn't have started ahead of him in that midfield. I'm sorry, but I I, I can't see that. I really can't. You know, it, it's it's great that we're getting ourselves who's, out. Who's of the more hole, vital? Okay, no, no, no. Goals. You're you're right in a way, but who's more vital? Club in a position, Milner getting injured or Lalana getting injured? You tell me. What, what, who's more, more vital? What's more vital. Three points or not? Well, we got three points in the end. We, we yeah, in the yeah, end. Yeah, the, 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 it's, it's, the risk worked, but 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 it means that Milner little, was saved. Milner's got more versatile. You know, he's more versatile. Like obviously, he can play a fullback position. Also, he's. I, I think Klopp sees him as more of an asset. I I I think I agree with Cam. I think Klopp and the the coaching staff got it wrong. You know that this this. You know this no, idea I, I don't agree this with experiment. That. Yeah, for me, that. that this this idea in this experiment that he could play as a number six, I'm sorry, but it's got to be written off as one of those things that you think and you try it out, and you know what, it didn't work, and you've got to accept it didn't work. Uh, yeah, for me, yeah, I mean, Ginny for... would Ginny would have been more suited to that. Ginny can read the play; he's got really good positional awareness. And we've seen it before. He played that six, and he's done it really well. He's such an intelligent player. And I think he did. He play against Everton. And he worked it much better. He what? Sorry. Sorry. Did he? Did he once play against Everton? Who? Um, Ginny is a six. He did it against City. If you remember. He did it against and loads of teams, and we were outstanding. And, 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 and exactly. then that's the point. You've got a ready-made replacement there. You're, you're not. You're not. You're not understanding though. You're not understanding the point though, are you? Because at the end of the day, if they have to stick to the four-four-three, which is what I'm, I'm making the assumption that we have to stick to four-four-three. Lalana will not cover the fullbacks like the other two. That is it. That is they just well, he, he won't. Well, if he can't do the job on the pitch, then he shouldn't, then be, on he the shouldn't be on the pitch. Yeah. That's, that's not my. That's not my decision. I, I'm just giving you why I think he played in that shit role. Why he played that? He can, if he's expected to defend the amount of space he would as a number six, you're telling me he can't defend a more. A concentrated area of space. Uh, I don't think. I don't think he'll he'll cover. I just don't think he's got the legs. I don't think he'll be up and down the pitch like that. I think he tried to stay deep today, and then he got in the way a few times in the box, which is annoying as fuck. It was just. I don't know. I don't know. It was a weird decision. It was, a, he, it was almost like he had a fight in himself, right? I'm an attacking midfielder, so I where where should I be? It was you know like with Fabinho, you've got a fully. You know, fledged defensive midfielder. You know, like the way he he kind of tells Henderson and Ginny or whoever he's playing with. He's pointing his finger. He's 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 general. You know, he's being the general in the midfield, telling them where to be, what to do. He's 
you know, he just has that spark about him. And Lallana lacks that authority because he literally doesn't play it. Can I get? Can I finish with the last point on this? Then, because uh, we've we've done a lot in the midfield, right? I would say after watching Lallana today, um, I would have started Curtis Jones over him and played a junior hand at six. <laughs> Curtis Jones yeah. um, has shown whenever he's played that he knows the system. He knows what to do. He has got the energy, as Gags is pointing out, and the capability to cover the fullbacks. Him and Robbo would have been ideal today. It'd be How's interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Rowan's saying, it's a shout. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to play the youngster in one of those eight roles. Uh, but but why are we so rigid? Why can't we change to a 4 2 3 one? Why can't we play something different? Well, it's Villa. I don't understand why it has to be three in the middle. Always. Why? Well, I just it's... wanted Origi to score so a fan could neck him again. Oh, shit. <laughs> Go on. Wait, where Curtis was he? Jones... Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, maybe Curtis Jones would have been an option in a 4 2 3 one. Or, for me, reward him with a place on the bench. Because, you know, you look at that game midweek, and I'm sorry, but there was absolutely no. Um, merit of Lalana even being involved in the squad today based on that game. So I, I'm just struggling. When I, but when I look at our midfield this season, I think that the, the big thing there is in terms of the balance is teams will look at us and say, you know what, you can play in front of us. We'll sit deep, we'll deny you space in behind, we'll deny you them little quick balls that you want to do so we you'll isolate your forward line. And then your midfield will let you play in front of us because you're not going to penetrate us. The only penetration comes from them, Fabinho, little dinks, the deep lob balls. So we, we don't have anything else. There's no threat. When Ox is on the pitch, it's different. Somebody who can carry the ball, somebody who can beat a man, somebody who can threaten a goal from 25, 30 yards with a shot. It's different. It's something different to think about. And I think we're, we're too stale, we're too predictable, to, we're too easy to read as, as this... You know, the yep. first choice of midfield that we've seen so far this season. And and I really do think it's got the balance of it and the makeup of it has got to change pretty soon. Otherwise, yeah. things, you know, things are going to go, something's got to give. Uh, and I worry that it'll be results because, you know, results are good, but performances haven't been. So if we can start turning, we can get the balance right and start upping the performance levels, you know, we could be unstoppable. But the worry is that. You know, if it cracks, you know, do we? How it'll be a real test of just how resilient we are. And I don't. Yeah, so, I think, you know what? It's it's an interesting point you've made there. The fact that you know you you kind of mentioned Ox because Cam, I'm going to come to you because you know we spoke about it not working, and then he throws on Ox, and then shortly after K to come on, and we go into you know. Uh, from a losing to a drawing to, to, of course, getting the three points, the winning situation. Things fundamentally changed in the midfield when them two came on. So, you know, like, yep. just, I mean, as soon as Kate, I think as soon as Ox came on, he had like three, um, you know, deflected chances, <laughs> you know, like, it was three yeah. blocks. I was like, what the fuck? Instant, instant energy. If you look at Naby Keita this season, I think he's played a total of, uh, oh, let's give him, um, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And in those 15 minutes, there's been three goals. Coincidence, not. Think about it. I'm not saying it's all down to Naby Keita, but there's, a, there's obviously a difference in the, in the way we're playing when Naby Keita's on the pitch. There's obviously a difference in the way we're playing when Ox is on the pitch. We are, we, we, we've said it before. All of us have said it. Everybody said it. We're, we, 
we become a more progressive attacking midfield. And when you've got Fabinho's there as well, providing you some of the best defensive midfield cover, that, that defensive midfield cover that we have in Fabinho helps us create so much more going forward. It provides us a platform to fully go out and attack teams. The reason we've not been seeing, obviously, Naby and Ox enough this season is because they just haven't been fit. Mm. And, and once they get their fitness Costing levels up... But do we know? No, no, no. No, 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 the worry is. It's not because we've only dropped two points. Can we move on now? Because I feel like there's plenty of the game to talk about. I know. Just last point. It could cost us, though, because that midfield, if them two are not available for any part of the season going forward, like, you know, because this is just the first third, man. We're not even, we're not, we're even a quarter. We're only a quarter way through. And we're struggling to put our midfields to beat Aston Villa in, in normal time, you know, without making changes. If those two cannot get any semblance of fitness in the next month, we are going to struggle second half of the season, I am telling you, because yeah. that's how important those two are to change it up. Yeah. And I'll leave and you what, with that. That's what it needs. That's what it Thanking needs. you. And Andy, I'll let you have the final say um, on, on the whole genie, um, I mean, of the whole Ox and Nabi um, you know, them coming on, we look infinitely better. We look better just having some creativity in that midfield, something that we've been lacking since Coutinho left. And as soon as they come in, it's no coincidence that the goal started coming from the midfield. No. I mean, Cam's right, you know, the, the, these cameos from Kater have been encouraging, but the real difference maker today was Ox stepping on the pitch. Instantly, mm-hmm. that different yeah. threat, it was evident right from the moment he was on the pitch, it was different. And, and they had to think, they had to change and move and come out of position defenders to close him down because they know outside the box, we, we've seen it with, you know, some absolutely you know, superb goals in the last couple of weeks alone that, you know, he can, he can find the top corner. He can find it from distance. It's a different prospect. And he changes the nature of that midfield. So he made a difference. And if he can't play two games a week, then don't start in midweek. Do not start in midweek because we need to have something different next weekend starting that game against City because, like you mentioned, that is everything for this season. If we can beat them nine points at this stage, it, it's it's huge, as we've seen at the end of last season. Psychologically you know, massive. Games, yes, they are, they are title-defining games. The head to heads now. It's like it's like Barcelona versus Real Madrid. The, 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 that's the count as everything now. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's so. If he can't play twice a uh, twice a week, then you only use him as a sub midweek, and let's see him start against City because he's on fire at the moment. Let's make the most of it next week. I'd just like to clarify that it's um you know Barcelona versus Real Madrid in in a not this season a different era you know in Premier yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's someone pulls me up on that I know because that's just a relegation <laughs> battle nowadays no I'm joking anyway um yes have a great pod folks and I'll be back very very soon on the airways but hopefully after Liverpool smash City next weekend but yeah um have a good pod up the Reds. Up the red, thanking you, guys. Okay, guys, let's carry on talking about the game. I think we've kind of talked about the midfield a fair bit. You know, let's talk about some of the key moments in that first half because I felt like what really didn't help the rhythm and the midfield, because I think uh, Cam said we started off pretty flat to begin with. 
I mean, let's talk about their goal. Uh, I think it came around about, was it about 20 something minutes? I can't remember. It just seems like, oh my gosh, uh, my, my head is literally everywhere. It's like a flipping tumble dryer right now. Um, let's talk about their goal. I mean, zonal marking, um, you know, they kind of sneak in and, uh, I think it, was it, was it Trezeguet for them who scored? Yeah, Trezeguet, 21st minute. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it got checked by VAR, you know, he was, he was on, he was onside. Um, so, yeah. you know, that, that was the first moment where VAR got called in and made the decision. I, I thought it was spot on. He was onside. Come, I talk, come to you first. I felt like, you know, that was a bit of a defining moment and they started to kind of be a bit more resilient because they got their goal. Yeah, I mean, the goal came about because of the uh, two fouls by Sadio. Yes. Uh, he gave, um, he gave a foul away. Just before the the, the the free kick that led to the goal, and he, he just and there were silly fouls. They weren't even you know they weren't doing anything, and they were just silly fouls that he gave away. And we we actually got caught out because we play a really high line on uh, free kicks and uh, from from those sort of positions because we want to try and make it you know use use VAR to our advantage because more often than not teams do go through and they do get caught out of sight. Today we um Trezeguet timed his run perfectly, but I, f- I felt Allison could have done more. He, he just sort of seemed to fall backwards with the shot. It wasn't like it was a ferocious shot or anything like that. It was just more of a a guide, you know, the Trezeguet just guided it past him and it and it came off his right ankle. Uh, bottom of his right foot and just went in. And if you look at him, it's like it's like he almost got caught out thinking, should I come out? Should I not come out? You know, and he he should have come out and made himself bigger. And he just sort of froze and just stayed on the line. And uh, I think it, ultimately it was a poor goal to concede because of the fouls. And I do really think Alisson could have done more with it. Yeah, it was it was a sloppy bit of play from um, Sadio Mane to needless fouls. Andy, talk. I mean, y- your thoughts on that? I mean, it was just like, oh god, we're gonna if we're gonna we're gonna have to come back from behind again. You know, it's just like, oh, you know, like like you said, how many times are you gonna get out of jail? But for me, that their goal was quite symbolic of how they were kind of playing. They were just like gnarly and horrible. I mean, opening 10 minutes, they had two or three opportunities. So Yeah, they, they did actually. You know, they had, yeah, they, they did threaten us early on. And yeah, it, a bit disappointing to give away a free kick, you know, in dangerous areas. Personally, I like the high line. Uh, we use it in the youth coaching just because it gives more space for the goalkeeper. So if it gets floated into the box rather than everybody around the goalkeeper and the slightest yeah. touch and it can go in, it creates that extra bit of space. And obviously having the luxury of VAR means you, you hopefully will will catch you know catch the offsides when you, if you're very disciplined with your line like we are yeah we I'd like us to have um, <laughs> reacted better um I'm not so sure on on Allison I, I think it's just it was a good ball and that diagonal run makes I think it makes it difficult for a goalkeeper he just makes himself he, he just spreads himself out and it comes off him I, I I don't really attach too much blame to the goalkeeper for me it's more of our reaction and the way we organised ourselves in terms of that ball coming across. And the VAR decision, well, at first I thought, oh, when they're looking at it, the fans were booing the, the Villa fans because I think that they looked and thought, oh no, this is going to be given offside. 
But then you look closer and it appears maybe it's um, Virgil's boot that just to say plays him on side, you know, millimetres in it. But hey, you know, if it's black and white and the evidence is there, then you can accept it. But um, I'm sure we'll get to the uh, the Bobby goal shortly. Yeah, speaking of millimetres, um, uh, let's talk about the key things that happened in that game, you know. Roberta Firmino scores a goal. Um, literally, must I mean the linesman flags it offside. It goes to VAR. Cam, it to me, it looked absolutely legitimate. His shoulder was onside with Miggs's. I think it was me. If they kind of did all the angles, but here we are yet again discussing this piece of technology and the issue isn't the piece of technology it is the authoritative figures who are running it failing to make the right call gag said moss and atkinson combined tried to you know screw over liverpool it didn't quite happen it's absolutely frustrating because that goal was absolutely legitimate yeah i mean my my initial reaction was uh, in real time, that Bobby was offside because of where he actually put the ball in. You know, he was, it was clear daylight. There was no issues there when he actually received the ball. But then when they went back to, and they did the VAR check, and you can understand why the linesman gave it because Bobby was... Uh, all the linesman could see was Bobby. The, the defender was on the other side, obviously. So I, I, I don't attach anything to the linesman there for putting his flag up. But when you saw the VAR and then they did the actual additional graphics to show the knee and the shoulder and they've angled, they've literally... The angled, for you. Yeah, they, they literally angled it to make it look like his shoulder is ahead of his knee. It's, and if that doesn't show you how corrupt that these officials are in what they are trying to do, then nothing else will. That was a shockingly a bad decision of the use of VAR as you will ever, ever see. It was outrageous. And I, if there's some way that Liverpool or, you know, every club needs to go back to the Premier League and tell them to, tell them referees to get their fucking act together and give the correct decision. If it's offside, it's offside. If it's onside, it's onside. Don't make the line look like it's... Manip- you know, manipulate the line to make it look offside. That's outrageous. What about you, Andy? Because I said against... I think it was the United game where, you know, obviously their goal should have been ruled off. And I kind of said, I feel like now... Um, we're in a situation where the refs are just trying to sabotage VAR. So people who don't have a better understanding of VAR think it's the technology, but really it's the people behind it because to them it's an unnecessary thing and it kind of questions their authority as a referee. I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts on just that Roberto Firmino situation, what Cam said there, where they kind of positioned it, where they tried to make his knee look off. I mean, I watched the stream. The stream I had at Ryan Giggs was, um, the, was, was a, was a guest in, in, in the studio, Andy, and he said, that's a legitimate goal for Liverpool. They're unlucky there. I'm surprised he said that. Yeah, I, I um, fell off my chair when he said it. Um, look, I, I've always I, I always said 
my fear about my fear about VAR in the my only fear about VAR in the Premier League is that it would be um, Premier League referees in charge of it because they're not very good. Yes. Barring one or two, <laughs> the standard of refereeing in the Premier League is is re- it's quite shocking actually. It is very poor. Uh, and the, and it's hardly surprising given the guy in charge of it was one of the worst referees of, of his generation in Mike Riley. But I've always said, I've always felt that the referees are not corrupt. They're just bad. You know, they're, they're not deliberately bad. They're just really poor at their job. But I'm starting to question that um, today, especially with Martin Atkinson, that performance against United, I thought he was... I mean, I've always felt that he's a spineless referee. He won't make a decision that he thinks might court a bit of controversy. Uh, and he'll always err on the side of caution and go with the easier decision. Today, that was flat out, um, well, questionable, I think is is the probably the, the safest way of avoiding um, being... The, 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 while they were showing it in life, I was watching it live, and as they, they were showing it on the big screen, the Villa fans were booing because they knew that goal was onside and it was going to be given. And then you could see close up, the lines were there, the line with Bobby and the line with the defender, and the defender's line was just ahead. And remembering that level is onside, and then suddenly they zoom out and switch the lines around. And it's like... Well, hang on a minute, and then we get decision, no goal. As th- this is, you know, th- this goes beyond being inept. Now, th- this really does go beyond being inept. They were actually manipulating VAR to protect referees. I mean, is this? Is it's this like Photoshop a- fail, isn't it? When you see celebrities with their Photoshop fails with the dodgy lines. <laughs> <laughs> we've oh, we've, oh, we've got so we're into that kind of thing now. What is it, Snapchat or Instagram, whatever? Yeah, Instagram Photoshop fails. It's a thing where celebrities fuck up with their Photoshops. <laughs> VAR is now following suit, people. Well, and the thing is, it's not just this incident. Incident in, during the game where you look and you go, "What? Come on, we're looking at it. We're actually looking at this. It's right in front of our eyes. We can see it. We're not stupid." Is after this. We've got the Mane incident where Mane gets booked for diving when the defender... Yeah, let me talk to you about that. Let's Andy yeah. to you about that because that infuriated me. He booked him and then when he looked back, he clicked him. He took him down. Yeah, he stood on his foot. And even if you want to say, OK, there's not enough there for a foul, they've got to, got to rescind the booking. You know, come back and say rescind the booking at the very least. But he stood on his foot. It, it was a minor foul, but the VAR check lasted all of around about five seconds. And then there's another one in the same half as well, is the defender's got his arms around Mo Salah's neck. Yeah, choking him, choking him, choking him, him. I thought he was watching wrestling. <laughs> he pulls him back. Nothing. <laughs> nothing given by Jonathan Moss. Not even a VAR check. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And you think back to earlier in the season when we played Arsenal and the the Arsenal defender, was it David Luiz, grabbed hold of Mo Salah's shirt and I was like, finally we're getting a decision where a player doesn't actually have to go to ground. Yet again, we see here today, you know, a player grabs him around the neck, he fouls him, he commits a foul, the player doesn't go to ground, absolutely nothing given. And then fans question and wonder why, and pundits too, and they wonder why players go to ground and make such a dramatic 
scene and, you know, react so dramatically to, to any slightest foul because without it, fouls are not awarded, even with VAR. And the use of VAR in that first half, in them three incidents by Martin Atkinson today, was disgraceful at the very, very least. Absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, Cam, anything you'd like to add to them, those instances that um, Andy just touched on there? Um, the Mo Salah one, um, there, there can't be a VAR check if the referee doesn't ask for a VAR check, I'm guessing. Because as far as the referee mm-hmm. was concerned, there was no foul. So they can't do a VAR check because it, the game was still playing on. So okay. you, I'm not sure that's uh, the case, actually. If any well, potential I'm, I'm assuming. red card or penalty incident. Yeah, I, I, I just that was my understanding. Any potential yeah. red card or penalty incident that the VAR will automatically check. That's just my understanding. Right. I may be wrong. Well, then, if there was a VAR check, well, there wasn't a VAR check. So uh, as far as, uh, because I'm guessing the referee has to ask for it, Ask is, is that a penalty incident? John Moss has uh, blatantly said that's not a penalty incident. Then, so no VAR check. I'm guessing. I mean, I'm assuming obviously, but anywhere else on the pitch, I bet you he would have given a foul. He would have, you know, For sure. this, For sure. this, this is the issue that in the penalty area, I don't get it. You've got the tools. You've now got the tools in VAR. If the tools are used correctly. There's no issue. That's the problem. The tools are not being used correctly. The referees are just stupid. Absolutely stupid. And, it, and, it, and we know this because, like Andy said, our referees are not very good. And that's why none of our referees go to the World Cup. Or the, um, you know, they're, they're just not good enough. The standard is, is shockingly poor. And, and as Andy said, Mike Riley is, is in charge of it. So what do we actually expect? So we, we've got to... We, We've just got to live with it now until they decide that they're going to change things. I think, didn't last, what, last week, I think there was a, they actually overturned a couple of the referees' decisions, didn't they? So it looks like they may be thinking, we've got to now try and get the decisions right. Today, they got, uh, they definitely got two decisions wrong. The Mane one, yeah, he caught his foot. Mane, like you say, he threw himself to the ground. It, it looked like, and at first thought, I thought he's thrown himself to the ground. I, I, I didn't see you, in in real time speed. You didn't see the 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 stamp on the foot. But then when you go back and look at the replay, you clearly see the stamp on the foot, and he he has to rescind the yellow. But can you? You know what my yellow? problem is, and Rowan's just mentioned this in the chat box. Like you kind of said, anywhere else a foul's given, and Cam, you said this, but why are they so? hesitant in the penalty box now it's getting really technical because i think arsenal versus sheffield united there was a grab on an arsenal player and i had james pierce um from the athletic on media matters and apparently the reason why it it was a shirt pull and the reason why it wasn't given was because the shirt has to be held in a triangular (laughs) shape like it is getting so finickety and ridiculous and roman's just pointing out here I don't care about this soft pen bollocks. If it's a foul in the box, it's a penalty. If you've not made any contact with the ball and you've made contact with a man, I understand football from layman terms. It's getting too technical for me and I'm sure plenty of people that watch football as well. If there's contact in the box, you know, minor, whatever, if you've not made any contact with the ball but you've touched the man, it's a penalty. That's how I believe it. Yeah, I mean... uh... Soft penalty, okay. 
I don't ever hear anybody here. I don't ever hear anybody say, "Oh, that was a hard penalty." Yeah. It, so, this soft penalty business is a is quite frankly a load of bollocks. It's as uh, Rowan has said, uh, as you said, a penalty is a penalty, a foul is a foul, offside is offside. It, it, there's no grey areas. You here. can't be nearly pregnant. You can't be nearly pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely can't be. It's right. It's right, though, Cam. This whole narrative of you know, oh, it's not enough of a foul. Absolute bollocks. If it's a foul, it's a foul. If it's a foul anywhere outside the box, and you would give a direct free kick, then inside the box, it's a penalty. And I don't care whether, yeah, whether it's just a a small foul or whether he's machine gunned him down with with a machete attached to his back while he's (laughs) done it. It 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 makes no difference whatsoever if it's a. Foul, it's a foul. If it's in the box, it's a penalty. Those are the rules. There isn't, you know, it, it isn't written into the rules that it has to be a certain type of foul and it has to be a very, very, very special type of foul and an excessive foul in order for it to be a penalty. No, those are the rules. You know the rules. That's that's just the way it is. Just all this bollocks about, you know, oh, it's a bit of a soft one. It's a foul. Okay, it's a foul. It's a foul in the box. It's apparently you know you know what the punishment is. Don't make stupid fouls. No, for sure, and I'm with you. And those could have been like a, a legitimate goal for Bobby Firmino, and um, a penalty which you'd expect Mo Salah to take to kind of convert. And Liverpool should have been two one up there. Uh, you know. Um, at half time. I mean, I'm gonna now kind of ask a question. It's, I think it's from Tadiva. Let me just get it up. He asked a question because we are speaking about Mosala. And his question is, Andy, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one. He wants to know about, um, Mosala. Do you think Salah is playing injured? He, uh, theory is since the Leicester game, he's, he's been playing injured, probably getting pain injections. Those wear off towards the end of the game. And that's why he's probably being subbed off early lately with the be- busy schedule. I assume he's going to have to play until he can't anymore or he just plays him the rest of the season with that niggle. So I can see where, I can't see where in the fixture list, um, where Mosala might get a break. Um, uh, Emre Jan had to do something very similar for Liverpool, play through the pain, you know, during the busy sh- uh, schedule. I mean, what what do you think of that, Andy? Do you think he might be playing through um, uh, playing through the pain and he's getting pain injections there, which is a bit of a worry? Um, it, it's it's quite possible. I mean, you looked how how flat we looked. You know that 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 the whole dynamic of the front three it didn't quite work without any of them there. Either th- you know any one of the three. They just work so well together that against United, when one of them wasn't there, it wasn't quite the same. Is there an international so, break coming up? You're hoping there will there be. Is, after the City game, there is an international break. So I guess the expectation will be that, look, against Genk, we should certainly not need to be thinking about using Salah. He can sit on the bench. Worst comes to the worst. We can get him on the pitch if we need to. Otherwise, let him sit on the bench, let him get a rest, play against City hopefully come through that unscathed, and then we've got the international break. Because, I mean, it's, it's entirely feasible that he is carrying a bit of a knock. Nothing too serious, but he's just feeling it. It's just aching, and it's not quite right, and he's not 100%. Because, yeah, he was took off, and he wasn't quite at the races today when we, you know, at times when he was involved, few big touches here and there. But yeah, this is the thing, is, is we don't have... 
a lot of depth in them attacking areas. Uh, we don't even have Shakiri at the moment to call upon. So, yeah, Origi's a cult hero and he's been fantastic from for us from the bench. But generally, when he starts games, he's a bit less effective. So, um, if he is carrying that knock, like I say, ideally we wouldn't use him midweek unless we absolutely have to save him for the city game. And then hopefully that international break gives him the opportunity to, to heal up and then on we go. Yeah. Cam, what are your thoughts on Tadeva's theory there? Yeah. I mean, uh, Andy's uh, stolen a lot of what I was going to say. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. There is some sort of a, a knock. Uh, I think he's still probably feeling the effects of that ankle injury. He was suffered against Leicester. Um, he's 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 not seeing a lot of the ball at the moment, um, and I don't know if that's because he's not quite getting himself into the right positions, or um, we're just shite at our passing, which we were today. At, at actually, finding him in, he's not getting the ball in dangerous areas, and he 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 doesn't look right because of the lack of ball he is receiving. So um, when he went off, I was like. I can't believe it. I would have taken Sadio off because I thought Sadio, that was the worst game of football I've ever seen from Sadio, Sadio Mane for Liverpool. Um, but then when I thought about it at the time, I thought it's got to have, it's got to have to be because he's carrying or not. And I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't start him against Genk at all. I would have him on the bench, like Andy said, um, let him get as much recovery as he can during the week. For, for whatever, if it is the ankle knock he's still carrying. Um, because ankle knocks, are, they, they don't clear up that quick. It's not like you can have a week off and everything's fine. The ankle is, is it's one of those joints because you don't have much rotation there. Uh, you don't get as much movement as, say, you do with your knee. Uh, the ankle takes a, a little bit longer uh, with its recovery. So... Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably got something to do with it. Um, obviously, we need him for, for City. Again, it's got to be like the Fabinho situation. We've got to think tactically. We've got to think ahead to the City game. That is, that's the big game of the season now. That's, you know, that's as massive. And we need our 11 best players that are fit and available to be starting that game next week. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, let's carry on speaking about some of the, the, the key performers. You kind of mentioned them um, at Sadio Mane there. You know, um, uh, obviously with that, with that booking, um, Villa fans decided that he's a diver, so he got booed throughout the whole game. Talk to me about his performance, Cam, because, you know, um, I felt like he was trying to do, you know, as much as he could today. He was like, I felt like, um, you know, maybe some of the passing was quite frustrating. Even though we looked better in the second half, it was sort of overplayed, underplayed. You know, the, 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 the final ball quality wasn't quite there. But, you know, the boy does come up with an assist and a goal. <laughs> he made me eat my words when uh, Mo, Mo was substituted. Um, I think he, uh, he, he looked a lot better in the, uh, when Mo went off. He, he obviously went into uh, the, the right side the right, of the yeah. three. And he, he played actually a lot wider than he mm-hmm. norm- normally than he was when he was playing on the left. He was hugging the touchline more. And when he was doing that, it, 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 he became a more dangerous uh, player because he, he had more space to attack 
and it, and he used that really well. He he, he was he was a lot lot better uh, once the switch was made. And um, yeah, I mean the the first seventy minutes, eighty you know seventy five minutes, he was. Oh, honestly, I, I I can't remember as bad a game from him as I've ever seen. He he, you know, if he'd been subbed at half time, you would have. You wouldn't have not said he didn't deserve not to be subbed, but then Klopp never makes substitutions at halftime, apart from Stoke City away when we're one 0 down. Um, but um, he he was he was awful. But then a goal and assist. What can you say? You know, I mean, I was boosted because that that's that's done me uh, brilliant for my fantasy Premier League because um, obviously he's one of my players in there. So uh, I was well happy in the end for more reasons than one. So um, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was a Jekyll and Hyde performance from him today, really, wasn't it? It was. I mean, I, I love the fact that he's one of those players that he can be absolutely not his best because I felt like he was trying today. It wasn't like he wasn't trying because I saw him kind of, he was playing deep in the second half. He was trying to get the ball from deeper positions, um, Andy. But, you know, he's one of those players that cannot have the best of games. But, my God, he has come good in very, very crucial moments of, of a game. Yeah, I thought he had a good second half. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. great on it first half. I noticed the first 20 minutes, he was kind of dropping into the deep uh, deep spaces that you would normally expect to see Bobby yeah. coming into, you know, in, in central areas as well, coming to receive the ball, coming to help out. Even the dodgy tactical fouls. Yeah, even, yeah. But just trying to, you know, get things started and get things moving. Maybe it's his frustration that he could see that, you know, in the midfield it just wasn't working. We weren't getting far enough up the pitch and we weren't moving the play on. And he was trying to influence that himself. And he was trying to, you know, he was trying to make it happen. It wasn't happening. But second half, again, you know, he was pushing and pushing and pushing. And it just... That ball to Andy Robertson. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a beauty. That, that, mm. That's the thing, yeah. It's nice to, you know, the, the few little positives on the game, and that was certainly one of them. Well, you know, Andy Robertson's yeah. always getting him the assist, isn't it? So it's certainly nice that, you know, Sadio repairs the favour. Yeah, they, I mean, they've clearly got a good chemistry down that left-hand side. Yeah. They work well together. They know each other's game. And, yeah, so it was, I guess it was nice for the uh, for it to be uh, reversed, and it? You know, for it to come from the opposite side and for Robbo to get in like that, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, when we needed when we need some needed someone to step up in, in um, the latter stages, like we've already said, Ox came on and made a hell of a difference. Kater's, um brief cameo was an impressive one. Sadio really stepped up to the plate, and, and it was and it was nice to see as well that uh, Robbo getting that equaliser. You know, someone who doesn't normally get many goals. Uh, but never stops trying. Even if he's not playing well, he he never stops working for the team. So, no, yeah, he acts. Yeah, it's, sorry, it was just yeah. It's 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 nice to get to, to get some kind of reward for the, the amount of effort that some players put in. Yeah, for me, I mean, I know we were all frustrated, but for me, it still felt like a matter of when, not if, because even though, like you know, there was a lot of overheating and. All the compensating, you know, with the final ball. I just felt like 
Liverpool were full on attack. I mean, literally every ball was sort of going to every Liverpool player. They were just, you know, on on a march. They had like some kind of momentum. And I felt like that certainly changed when Ox came on. There was a bit more urgency, a bit more accuracy. We just looked better. Tom, I mean, what... I'll come to you. I mean, we, we spoke about Andy Robertson and that goal. I mean, do, do, you, do you want to have your say on that before we speak about the other fullback? Andy Robertson is a, a phenomenal football player. Um, he's pure grit, pure character, uh, using a Brendanism. Brendan, a Brendanism. Um, he's just he's just wonderful. I mean, he he, he doesn't stop. Um, he thoroughly deserved that goal today. Um, when when you're when your front three aren't quite on it and your midfield aren't on the pitch, to to have the two fullbacks we have to do what they can do and to do it week in week out, um, it, it, it's phenomenal. I mean, I felt the Villa were actually set up quite well and they stopped a lot of our creativity with our fullbacks today. And for them to still come away with a goal and an assist, it just tells you how good they are. I mean, that header, it would have been so easy for him to sky it over the bar or put it past the post that he bulleted it in. You know, I mean, the keeper got a hand to it, but he was never stopping it. I mean, it was just brilliant. It, it was just brilliant. Can't say enough good things about that. No, you absolutely can't. And can I stick to you? Let's speak about the other fullback. You thought there was a lot of chances being cut off and stuff, but I thought Trent Alexander-Arnold as a whole had a really lively game. I thought he had a really positive game. I felt like, you know, where we thought the midfield was lacking, I felt like he kind of needed to kind of step up and kind of add some width dimension. I thought he saw a lot of the ball. He was very good in a creative sense. I thought overall he had a really good game, apart from that scary moment where we thought he almost got the ball, but he got beaten by his man. But as a whole, for me, Trent was a lot of industry today. Yeah, Trent was excellent. Um, he's got this amazing knack of putting this crossfield pass to uh, Robbo. I mean, we saw a lot of it last week uh, against Spurs, and we saw it again today. And and Villa knew he were gonna he was gonna do it, yet he still kept finding Robbo time and time again with that with that crossfield pass. It, it's it's he he's a wonderful passer of the ball, and 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 a lot of people say, oh, they want to see him in, in midfield. He should be our uh, uh, our playmaker from midfield. No, he's our playmaker from from fullback. He he's as good as he is because of the position he's playing in. He's getting that he he's getting more time to have the ball from that position. He's he's a better player from that deeper position, and then moving into that space. When you when you play that prime play as a a creative player in a four three three as a number eight, you it's a completely different role. This creative role he's got it, it it's made for him right now, and you don't want to change it. it he's and he's he's got it going, working so well. Why would you even want it to change it? I mean, he got an assist today. Yes, it was from the corner, but he's still got an assist. And he's, he's, it's balls that he's putting into the box. Don't forget, we don't have the biggest players in the world. when Our front three aren't the tallest in the world. So these crosses that he puts in have to be really, really accurate. But if you look at the, today, 
there wasn't that many crosses. It was more about making sure that the pass he did was the right pass, mm-hmm. and and that and that's a uh, and that's talent in itself. You know, he played a completely different game today than what he did against um, Spurs last week, and that shows a leveling of, of intelligence that you can't teach. For sure. Uh, Vern Wright says, Trent Alexander-Arnold plays football like golf up there with Alonso. I mean, Andy, over to you. What did you make of his performance today? Uh, Just one thing of note. Today was Trent Alexander-Arnold's 100th game for Liverpool. And, and, you know, a lad that's not long turned 21. Um, I was was talking to Guy Drinkle as part of the, on the Reds Review podcast uh, yesterday. And I said, you know, I think we're blessed to have this footballer on our books. You know, a, a homegrown young lad, 21-year-old. He's not going to be desperate to go off anywhere else around the world. You know, he's got an emotional attachment to the club. He's just turned 21. And he's a tremendous footballer. That moment late on was, you know, the, those things that he still needs to iron out of his game, those defensive decisions. But on the ball... Um, I, I've mentioned to this to to this somebody uh, to somebody this before is I kind of compare it to um, the the successful United team of the nineties. Mm-hmm. And you remember how they played David Beckham out on right midfield. Yep. Now this was David Beckham who had no pace, no left foot, couldn't really tackle, couldn't head, didn't have the individual skill to go past the player. The crossing. Um, and everyone talked, yeah, but everyone talked about how he should be in the centre of the pitch. You know, he should be a central midfielder. And any time he played there, he looked lost because what he really needed was the space because you get the ball to him and that bit of space, that second is all he needed to be able to deliver an incredible ball. Now, we've got this, but not from a right midfielder, from a right back. Mm-hmm. So we've got that David Beckham ability on his right foot to deliver a ball but what we've got in in essence is a better all-round player because he's got that skill he's got that tenacity he can he can challenge in the air he can also use his left foot he can strike a ball just as well and, and there's just he nearly more scored with his left skill foot. there yeah there's there's more there for me in uh, all round there's a better footballer there and we are working we're starting from a start point where he's got this tremendous ability on the ball and we're working and working and improving his... And he's better than set pieces right? than anyone that we've got as well. I mean, of course, you yes. know, the the, the yes. corner, Sadio Mane, crucial times. I think, you know, we know this. I mean, talk to me about that. I mean, you know, because sometimes they can go a bit wayward in those situations. Yeah, look, not all of his dead ball deliveries have been great. When he's taking the shots, he looks like he could possibly score every time. You know, he, his shots from direct free kicks, are really dangerous. He had that one uh, near the end, the little deflection that went over. But in terms of delivery from corners, nipping it into the box, they're a little bit hit and miss at times, and it's a case of like almost like in open play, his, deliver, his delivery is like, it's 9 out of 10, it's superb. But on dead ball situations, it's maybe more closer to 50-50. But that one, you know, at the end, yeah, excellent. And And it's like, I just, I just say it again, you know, we, we are quite blessed uh, to have a player of this age and this ability and this maturity and th- this mentality and willingness to learn and improve in the way that he has. Because I think he's come on 
a massive amount in the last couple of years with his defensive awareness and his defensive ability, positioning, everything. So we've got a player who that wants to get better, wants to learn, wants to be the best. And, and arguably right now, he's as good as anybody in the world in his position. He, mm-hmm. he is superb. And we saw some examples of that today. Yeah, we have seen also a couple of examples where he's still got stuff to learn. But for God's sake, he's 21 years old. And it's mm. absolutely frightening almost to think of his ability at his age. He really had such such a, a fantastic young player. And he's already pivotal to this team. He is absolutely right, Cam. Um, I have one question for you now. Um, how... I want to get your feelings. I mean, when Sadio Mane scored that goal, like, give me emotion. Give me how you celebrated. Um, the exact opposite of the video you saw of me. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, there was a there was a lot of swearing, but it was a good natured swearing. Um, Suki was uh, asleep upstairs. She came downstairs to see what the hell was going on. Um, she was having a little 40 winks and I, I managed to wake her up. Um, I went batshit crazy. I absolutely lost my head. Um, because the thing was, I just knew we were going to get a chance. And it was just a question of whether we would take that chance or not. Um, because we... We were we pummeled them second half. Yes, they could have they could have had another they could have had uh, a, a a shot on target maybe with some better decision making. But we pummeled them. We kept knocking on the door. We kept knocking on the door, and I think overall we deserved that win just for our you know just for our fighting capability of of wanting it of never giving up and just keep going, keep going. And yeah, I I I I went mad. Um, and I was, I was called a mad bastard at the end as well. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. For sure, Andy, I'll run you through how I felt. Everyone, um, we're losing one nil. I kind of um, a half time look at the half time result. Man City are losing one nil too. So I'm like, okay, well it's still six points regardless, you know. Okay, but we're going to win this. I believe we're going to win this. And then obviously, you know. We pull one back, so I'm like, yes, you know, we're not fucking losing, you know, we've st- we can do this, you know, we look the better team, we're going to get it. And then I look, I, for some reason, look at the City score, and it's 90 minutes there, and they're 2-1 up, so I'm thinking, fuck, we've really got to get a goal. And when he gets that goal, I'm just like, oh my god, you know, keep, you're not keeping up because we're ahead, but retaining that lead. You know, so the, there isn't a psychological edge for Man City thinking, oh, it's only three points, so it's only four points. You know, the fact that we still kept that six gap, nothing's changed, come at us. I was just, it was just like, I can't believe that was an Aston Villa game and I felt that way. I mean, how did you feel, Andy? Uh, I think I, I virtually burst a blood vessel in my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I was very tactical and analytical. You two just left me a shit. <laughs> oh my god! But I kept saying my my youngest son was watching it with me, mm. and he was getting frustrated and getting annoyed. And I said, I said, I don't know. Just we, we, the way it's, it's coming, it's coming. If we can get one, we can get two. Mm-hmm. And I just mm. said, we can get one, we can get more here. We can once we break through, that'll be it. Because it'll be hard for them to 
really sort of respond and come back. And I just think, what well, that's it then. Once you get one, you're on it. Because it was so much of attack v defence the second half. It and, really was. And, oh, my God. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean... It, it was it's relief. Relief as much as I was screaming. And, and, yeah, my face was... My face was actually kind of turning a very similar kind of red as to the kind of people you normally see sat in the audience on uh, question time. Oh, <laughs> that is some image right there, Andy. You're playing an image. You know what? You kind of said it was attack versus defense in the second I'm half. Well, you're definitely not a gammon. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, Chuck Holly wants to know how, how good must Klopp's team talks be? I mean... At this point, he's got them believing. He's give. It's great football, but I'm sorry, a lot of it has to come from just not giving up. You know, I've seen old little teams that would give up at, in that instance, and maybe and forget losing one nil. Probably lose that game two one. You know, get the equaliser and then concede a stupid goal. We've all seen that happen. I mean, can I mean, what must he say to them? Well, uh, whatever he's saying at half-time, he needs to say it before the game starts. <laughs> because he, we, we should have been out of sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are a far superior football team than, than Aston Villa. Yeah. You know, regardless of the midfield and all the chat we've had about it, we should, we should have annihilated them today yep. the second half showed that we had 20 shots on goal in the second half with 76 percent possession or whatever it was why mm. can't why couldn't we have started the game in that vein and just put them under the cosh why do we have to go one nil down how many <laughs> times could we keep coming from one nil behind to win games i mean we're we're, we're the masters at it we are, we are the mentality masters, and the 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 halftime team talks. Are, you know, the, there must be so many boots flying around that changing room. You know, so many cups of tea are going up against the wall and whatever. But we need to start games on fire next week. We need to start that game on fire. We need to be right in their fucking faces and let them it know. Will we will be. I have no doubt about it. That's the one that they fight up for. Andy, your thoughts on what Klopp must say to them? Because obviously, you know the guy pretty well. You know he's had some drama at Dortmund. He's that kind of manager. I mean, he's got them believing something. Those opening 15 minutes of the game, we had something like 70% possession. So we had a lot of the ball. But what we were lacking was that penetration. So once Villa had scored, obviously the onus was on them to on us to break through, and they were sinking deeper. And that that second half, obviously they're sinking deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, and yeah, whatever it is that that Klopp is saying at halftime, uh, like Rocky esque speeches, I don't know, but obviously it's working. But there's there is there's definitely something within that mentality of this team that you're not going to have. We're not going to be beaten. You're not going to have us. We can come back. We can come back. We can come back. I just, I don't know that this. You know, we we didn't have a single clean sheet throughout the throughout the month of October, and again, we've not had a clean sheet today. And it's, you know, that kind of became a thing last season. We had lots and lots of clean sheets. Mm-hmm. We were so good defensively, you couldn't break us down. And then, because we could keep clean sheets, nobody felt that. You know, so many teams would think, well, you just can't score against them. 
And it's that psychological thing. You couldn't. You felt like you couldn't score against us, and that, but we could score against you, even if it went to the eighty-fifth minute, eighty, mm-hmm. you know, eightieth, eighty-fifth, ninetieth, ninety plus yeah. six minutes. You know, we could score. The problem we're giving ourselves this season is we are letting them goals in, so we're kind of giving ourselves that little bit more of a mountain to climb. And it and it is fantastic, you know, that we can turn things around, but. We just can't keep putting ourselves in this position. We really, really can't. And a team like Man City, I think Cam is absolutely right. We've got to start in the right vein. We absolutely have to start in the right vein. And we can't rely on on a halftime team talk or a great second half performance. This has got to be something from the off. Everything's got to be right. It's got to be on point because there's just so much resting on it. And like you mentioned, I think it's a key thing here is you know, we're looking at, yeah, half-time, we were losing, City were losing. At the 90 minutes, City were winning, we get it back, we're winning. Can you imagine that psychological damage to City if yes. we can then ensure that next week that we start positive, that we're all over them, that we go ahead, because then the pressure is all on them. It's Anfield as well, and you know it's going to yes. be loud. Everything yes. is going to be for us, and that's why those six-point exactly. advantage was huge. Exactly, but think of that on them. Instead mm-hmm. of us having to come back, if they're a goal down, it's six, six points behind a goal down at Anfield, that kind of pressure on them, that psychological advantage, there is so, so much to play for. Uh, and I just don't want to be relying on great half time team talks and mm-hmm. you know, last minute goals and Origi doing the magic and all this sort of stuff. It is fantastic and it's brilliant and I love it. But you know, I, I don't want to feel like we're going to the world one time too often. We really need mm. to do... We need to slap them from the beginning. Mm. Yes, uh, but we also need to be that team that we were last season in, in terms of we were so difficult to score against. You couldn't score against us, but this season you can score against us. And, you know, we really need to start to go back to being that team that it's so difficult to score a goal against Liverpool. It's so difficult to do that. And like I said, you know, no clean sheet for over a month. And we, we've got That's to start worrying. changing that. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, hopefully the next, you know, the game, I think we start off pretty positive, in my opinion. I think that's how it's going to be. I think the players will be fired up as well, given the fact that, you know, the, the almost, you know, they almost won it. They lost it by a point. I think all those things really, really do play into it. Guys, we've come to the end of the show. Who was your man of the match and why? Cam, I'll come to you first. Adam Lallana. <laughs> no. Um, now can I have your joke shout? That was your serious one. Now you get one. <laughs> yeah, the joke one would be Trent. Yeah. Um, he was uh, head and shoulders above everybody else on the pitch for us today. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbo with the goal would have been a close second. Um, I, I thought I, um, I thought our fullbacks were excellent throughout. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, like I touched on earlier, I thought Villa... Uh, did well to stop them being as creative as they were. Um, but they still came out on top. And uh, Trent was, was was head and shoulders above everybody on that pitch today. Unbelievable mm. performance for a 21-year-old. Yep. Uh, what about yourself, Andy? I- I'm going to say Ox. J- just because I think he totally changed the game for us. When he came on, mm. he changed it. He upped us a level. Yeah, we were knocking at the door. We were pushing but we weren't pushing hard enough. We weren't asking the right questions. Ox came in, came on the pitch, and suddenly everything changed. 
it, it just changed and he made such a difference to us today. So for that cameo, I, I, for me, he was the biggest difference maker. So I'm going to give it to him. I love it. That is such a left field shout as well and a yeah. sub as well. You know, I, I absolutely love that. It's a really tough one for me because, you know, Trent played the entire game and I thought even bad, he was one that was still trying to make things happen. But then you have a player who instantly has a positive impact on the game. It's really hard. I think they're both excellent shouts because there aren't many, you know, there aren't an awful lot of great shouts. I am going to give it to Trent because I felt like he kept it throughout. Haddock's played, you know, the entire game. I'd probably give it him. Guys, I'm intrigued to know your thoughts. Who would you give it to and why? Tweet us, let us know who was your man of the match. This is the end of the Nina Kaza show. A massive thank you to all the people that sent in their questions. And, of course, Gags for calling in. Cam, anything you'd like to plug? Um, we haven't done a, a main pod for a couple of weeks. Mm. We've just had scheduling uh, issues where one of us isn't available or two of us are not available. So hopefully uh, Monday or Tuesday, all being well, we'll get uh, a main AI pod uh, recorded for you guys. Awesome. Can't wait for that stuff. I think people absolutely love hearing it. Cam, Tre- yeah, Cam, Trev Downey and Carl Carpax, so do check that out. What about yourself, Andy? You are so busy, so I'm just going to make myself a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. Yes. Uh, the the latest Reds Review audio magazine uh, podcast is out right now. Myself and Guy Drinkle talking about all things October LFC related and also looking ahead to what uh, November holds in store for the club. So everything's on there, all of October's matches, all those absolutely fantabulous goals, including uh, Ox holding his own Goal of the Month competition. Uh, Player of the Month competition, which, um, spoiler alert, Fabinho just kind of basically machine-gunned everybody down in existence. Uh, There's also Fantasy on there. There's a bit of either or game, which was lots of fun on great goals. Uh, Academy update from Guy. Loads of great stuff. Please do check it out. We have fun every month when we do it, so please... Have a listen, see what you think, let us know what you think. And it's a show where you can get involved as well because we always put the polls out there for your goal of the month and player of the month contenders. So that's out there. And there's also the latest Champions League preview podcast, which will be Mm -hmm. uh, hitting your airwaves very, very soon. It will. We've got uh, John O'Sullivan as my guest this time, uh, looking ahead to match day four in the Champions League. So that means Liverpool are going to be playing Genk at home at Anfield. And obviously there's a big game also in the, in terms of the group with uh, Lats, with uh, Napoli and Salzburg and so much more going on in the Champions League as well. So we kind of look <coughs> at everything that's happening, not just Liverpool. So it's a little bit more of like a magazine type uh, format this season. So please do check that one out ahead of Liverpool uh, playing Genk on Wednesday night. So um, And yeah, that's pretty much it from me. You know what? I've even drank my cup of tea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking I could have had a coffee at that time as well. I know, the guy pulls out a scroll of all the things he's done. I mean, once again, guys, keep it locked on AI. Keep it locked on AI Pro. So much fabulous content coming your way. If you personally want to kind of um, I'm doing something, um, I'll be doing Euro Incision on AI Pro. Um, 
personal on a personal note i have um if you have instagram do check out my instagram page it's the nina Kaza show i post daily videos i'm gonna have a lot to say about this game as well i post like five days a week check it out i really appreciate your support in this it's just a little passion project of mine but guys thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed you know the contribution of cam and andy i thought they were excellent i'm sure you did too i will be back for the big one against man city till next time up the reds Podcast Network.